Welcome to Every Game in This City, a podcast about 10 game makers, curators, and researchers who met up in Malaysia for a week to try to play every escape room in Kuala Lumpur. I'm Douglas Wilson. I'm Goldie Bartlett. I'm Jay Biddle. I'm Stephanie Bullock. I'm Laura E. Hall. I'm Alexandra Lee. I'm Lee Shanglun. I'm Patrick Lemieux. I'm Amani Nassim. I'm Chad Toprak. And today we're wrapping up season one with a brief 15-minute outro where we look back on our time in Malaysia, talk a bit about Idle Thumbs, and foreshadow what's coming next in Season 2. So we're here to record a postlude. Who's in the room with me? I'm Patrick Lemieux. I'm Stephanie Bullock. Hi, I'm Doug Wilson. Yeah, so looking back to our sort of expectations from when we all got together in a room, Mm. just the three of us, to talk about like what we were thinking would happen, I I think all of us expected that at some point we would get exhausted, at some point we would hit a wall, and we weren't really sure what would happen. And that is, in fact, what took place. Yeah, we nailed it. Like our little, (laughs) our little like uh, prediction. It was accurate. Dead on. Yeah, yeah. But I still think that despite all that. What I don't think I quite understood until we actually intensively went through the whole experience was that it turns out playing games are really, really hard. Well, playing, I guess my slight clarification to that, maybe you disagree, would be playing critically and playing well. Like it's not, there's a difference between just being there in the room and... Uh, maintaining a certain kind of cooperative energy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So playing well together is is really, really hard. And that, that was something I was really impressed with, how as a group we, we kind of came together and cohered for over the week and sort of built up various forms of group etiquette. We developed communication yeah. strategies. And, and that wasn't something that, like, once we had it down, we you know, just kept going with that. It was something that kind of evolved over time. And so it was this really interesting process to see. And it was, it all happened very fluidly, but at the same time, it was, it didn't happen easily. Well, and for me, I think it's, it's almost my whole year since the trip in comparison to the trip. So it's almost like, it wasn't easy, but the fact that I I feel like we were quite successful on the trip playing Mm -hmm. well and critically together um, both in my own place and, and, you know, in the classroom trying to inspire students to play well and seeing the ways that that sometimes doesn't work as well as I wanted, I think has in juxtaposition to this trip where I feel like we did succeed. Uh, that trip almost has now set the bar for me. Oh, like <laughs> yeah. this, this is what I want. I, like I see more clearly now, this is what kind of energetic critical play can look like. And so that's, it's almost been in the uh, come down after after this trip where I'm now more and more with every passing month kind of appreciating this this kind of co- collective, collaborative, like you're saying, diverse experience type of play. Yeah, so it's not just that there are people of different experience levels. It's that that, that was true and everybody had a, some kind of buy-in or some kind of like skin in the game. Everybody had stakes yeah. so that they cared. And so they like woke up every morning at like weird hours and like spent all this time in malls. Uh, and that's not true of every group that I play yeah. with. Yeah. Like, and, and especially like Doug was saying in the classroom, like that's not even true for, 
you'd think students all have buy-in, like maybe their grades depend on it or something, but that's not true. That's, yeah. Yeah. People have really different attitudes about what it means to play. Or yeah. playing with a reluctant family member over a holiday, yeah. something like that, where it, it just kind of colors the whole experience if, you know, not everybody is all in on it and like opting in to play with, with the utmost ex- enthusiasm. And that was really, really nice was that yeah. it was a group of people who were kind of always enthusiastic and up for it. And you're right. It did set the bar. And now later it's like constantly looking at the sort of play situations I'm in and being sad because yeah. everyone's not a hundred percent all in the way they were in Kuala Lumpur. How do we get back? How do you get back? How do we get back to Malaysia? (laughs) How do we get back to Kuala Lumpur? I think one thing uh, that I've been thinking about too is um, like what we did with audio, even what we're doing right now, sitting in the room, um, did something to the play. Yeah. And it's something I want to experiment with a lot more. There's something really funny about like doing commentary while you play. And I want to like run board game groups and stuff with a commentator (laughs) because it makes you self-conscious in a way not a bad way, in a way that you start to perform your play differently. We knew this, I mean, to be clear, that was a very intentional part of the method, that yeah. we, we kind of knew that going to the trip, but I think there's one thing to know that rationally, yeah. and another thing to have experienced that, and we went back and listened to a bunch of our <laughs> own recordings, and we're like, just hugely enjoying all yeah. these moments from that, so I think uh, I have an even deeper understanding now of, oh, like, not only were we right, we were like way more right than we expected about that audio commentary Mm -hmm. changing the way we played in a really productive way. Yeah, it's a really uncanny feedback loop. And it took a it took a few sessions to get used to it. But once we were in it, it definitely changed the experience of play. And where you could sort of hear what you're doing and make kind of micro adjustments yeah. too, based on some of the the kind of things that I would hear out of the kind of corner of my ear. If somebody was like saying what was going on, it'd yeah. be like, oh no, I'm uh, I'm not looking hard enough, or I'm this is like yeah. a weird lag moment. What should I do, or how should I like better put myself in the space to to participate in the experience? Yeah, I think. I think when we started, I thought that that would be good as documentation that we could refer to later. I didn't, I think, fully expect or understand the other side of that coin, that it would be deeply influencing what we were doing in the rooms, and it would change the way we remember that experience of the room. So it it thickens it in, in all these different ways, where as you're playing, you remember tiny details more. Even if you're not the commentator, because you're thinking harder about your body, about time, about the way those rooms are going. So it it does it in two directions, both in the present moment, it changes what you're doing. And then down the road, it helps us to remember those moments. Isn't that a lot like wearing formal clothes to a wedding or whatever? Like you look, you look better, quote unquote, in the photos after, but it's like, it's there. Why do we do this? God, it's a pain. I have to rent a tux, whatever. I mean, I I hate wearing formal clothes, but you do it because it is a ritualization. It, everyone is constantly reminded visually at this wedding or whatever, that it is a special occasion. And I think that that's, 
that does influence motivation and uh, being present and experiential enjoyment and all that kind of so thing. So missed opportunity to do a formal escape room. I think people do that. No, no, but, but they the get audio, like full. Oh, I know, I know. The I know. audio I know is like the <laughs> audio is like instead of the visual or the tactile, it's like the clo- it's an audio clothes that we're. Wearing. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, we yeah. should do the escape room where we actually rent the tux as well. But, and then both of you would have to role play. Uh-oh. <laughs> so yeah, something about play's performance. I mean, I think the podcast works similarly. Yeah. And so I think as as we go with this project, as as every game in the city continues, I think we're going to be thinking about that in the audio dimension, maybe later in other dimensions. But I think the rationale is like, what are some things that we could do that will change the way we play for the better and get us closer to that well-played game experience? Well, and we'll get to this with future seasons. But, you know, a question we got at the conference a bunch, both after the formal session, but just talking to colleagues at the mm-hmm. conference was like, oh, so you're like an escape room researcher now. Or like, why escape rooms? And I kept, I kept having to be like, listen, man, like, <laughs> I, I like escape rooms, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not like in a quote unquote escape room guy now. That's not my primary research interest. Um, my personal, and this may be different for like uh, Laura and Jay and the, you know, the yeah. people running uh, Alex and Chung and the people who actually run escape rooms as a business. But for me, it was like, escape rooms are great, but actually my primary interest is the method. It's the podcast. It's reflecting with others. And escape room is, is great. And that was season one. But it's not going to be escape rooms for every season. Right. Though it might be podcasts for every season. And um, that brings us to like another thing. Uh, You're probably listening to this on the Idle Thumbs Network, um, which was not always the plan from the beginning uh, to be a part of Idle Thumbs. I mean, we we went to Malaysia and we recorded a podcast and actually like we built a whole website and stuff that we were just going to like launch it ourselves. We were really proud of... Every game in this dot city. Right. I mean, that redirects in a very idle thumbsy way back to idle thumbs now. Um, But yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting about this development for this project is that um, all of us have like, at least Doug, Stephanie, and I have a kind of connection to this podcast network um, and a little bit of uh, both like a personal and professional history uh, with the folks that run it. Um, and so we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, what, why this belongs on Idle Thumbs. And actually, like, it, it kind of makes me feel like nostalgic or emotional thinking about, like, this particular podcast kind of being on this particular network. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying, Doug, about how it's not about escape rooms. It's actually about the, the play that takes place yeah. within the escape rooms. I think one of the things, um, you know, when we, Patrick and I started listening to Idle Thumbs like over a decade, I guess. Has it been yeah. that long? I actually don't know when the podcast started, like in the mid 2000s. So definitely over a decade now. Yeah. Yeah. And, the thing that I was always so um, impressed with was the way the the way Idle Thumbs wouldn't just talk about a game, but they would really, really carefully talk about their kind of experience playing mm. a game. Like, you know, the the whole like Far Cry Two meme of you know a grenade rolling down a hill, that kind of thing. Right. So so that game had a bunch of different systems and because those systems interacted, you could like throw a grenade, but the physics would make it roll and like blow up something you didn't intend to blow up. And suddenly like the Savannah would catch on fire and these (laughs) kind of funny, like Rube Goldberg events would happen. But I remember, uh, Stephanie and I would listen to that and there was something 
it wasn't actually about like the mechanics of the game or like what the Far Cry 2 team did. There's something about the way that like Idle Thumbs narrated that. And I guess specifically we mean like Chris Remo, Jake Rodkin, uh, Sean Vanneman, Steve Gaynor, Daniel Riendo, like those folks. Fuck Nick. <laughs> right. Uh, how could I forget about Nick Brecken? Um, and all these people, what I was saying before is all these people had a really funny way about bringing in their personal experience of playing a video game that changed it from like a generic kind of boxed product into something biographical. It's a little bit gonzo. Like it kind of brings in like their personal lens into thinking about these mass, you know, consumer kind of commodities. Yeah. And both within the academic world, as well as in journalism at the time, that wasn't that wasn't really common. Uh, I think it might be a little bit more common now to get those type of first person accounts or like storytelling of what takes place in a game. But that was that was just such a, a pleasure and a joy to listen to. And I think it really influenced the way I mm. think about games and games criticism, because it wasn't just that they're telling a story, it's that that story would lead to some really, really smart and sophisticated analysis mm. and like theoretical points about games. And again, sort of listening to where they would like get to these conclusions based on their very, very specific experiences of play. I think that really impacted us at the time. And I think that the type of method that we're trying to build with every game in the city is kind of indebted to those early Idle Thumbs mm. podcasts. And so being on the show or being on the network right now is uh, is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, it makes a certain amount of sense. Uh, uh, totally. And me as well. Uh, somewhat more recently, but listening to uh, Twin Peaks Rewatch, that's <laughs> Jake and Krista. It's actually yeah. my all-time favorite podcast. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it is exactly that move of... Um, Moving from media as object to, um, uh, and I guess with watching Twin Peaks, it's not maybe quite play, but that whatever that like verbing, personal verbing on top of uh, the media object itself. And I think uh, that makes Idle Thumbs, I hope, like a kind of a perfect place for our method, which is all about, again, not as of course, it's about escape rooms, but that's almost the like uh, means to the end in terms of thinking about this inward-looking group play. Totally, yeah. So I think we uh, we need to thank a lot of people at the end of this, and and maybe we'll just start um, uh, with the Idle Thumbs folks who have been helping us. So uh, definitely uh, Jake Rodkin and Chris Remo and the Idle Thumbs crew uh, helping us put this podcast together. Um, who else do we want to thank? I think we, I think we got to thank our core cast who, mm-hmm. who who aren't here but are uh you know the the crew the co-authors with us the group so uh, in addition to the three of us that's goldie bartlett who did all of our art which mm-hmm. is amazing thank Beautiful. you goldie uh jay biddulf uh laura e hall alexandra lee lee shang moon uh amani nasim and chad toprak mm-hmm. so that's the that was the kind of core 10 of us but then we also uh, had some special guests. Yeah, yeah, we have to thank our special guests, Li Ying Fu and Teddy Deef and Clarissa Lee. Thanks to those three for coming on the show and playing too many escape rooms with us. Yep. Uh, now that we're done with season one, yeah, what's next? So, what do we want to do next? <laughs> so, apparently, I've I've been been told there is a season two. There is. There uh, is. So, so I, I actually myself will will not be in season two, but we have uh, 
Patrick and Stephanie here. Uh, do you want to tell us a little? Because you're yeah. you're actually doing it pretty soon. Yeah. So it's really the timing's really funny. Um, Lee Shung Loon and Alexander Lee kind of organized season one. They were the ones who kind of got the cast together and figured out yeah. lodging and a lot of the food stuff. And so uh, Stephanie and I are going to be organizing season two. Um, and that's going to take place in uh, from August 20th to 25th in Shanghai, China for the Dota 2 International Tournament. The first one ever not in North America. Um, I mean, the very first one was in Germany, but this is the first one in like a decade that's outside of North America. So, so Dota 2 is a video game. <laughs> yeah, not, it's not an escape room. Not an escape room. Say, <laughs> say, say more about that. Maybe. Right. Well, I think if if with season one, we were really interested in figuring out how to play well together um, within this kind of team building escape room dynamic. This season, it's not so much the well-played game, but the well-watched game. And I think we're really interested in thinking through how watching itself, you know, first off, is that a kind of play in its own way? And also, what happens when we, you know, get together with a really, really eclectic and diverse group of people, kind of like in the same way with the escape rooms where we had, you know, people who were beginners, people who were escape room designers, people who had like literally never set foot in an escape room until they started playing with us. Um, Same with like people who lived in Malaysia, people who had never been to the city before. Mm -hmm. We're kind of going to do the same thing where we're going to have folks who are, you know, um, esports coaches (laughs) who will be sitting next to someone who has maybe seen a game of League of Legends. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but doesn't know. No idea. And so we're... Or or we might have someone who uh, grew up in mainland China next to somebody who's never been to China before. Yeah, so we're going to see what happens when we all get together and go to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and watch way too much Dota. Yeah, every eSport in Shanghai. So stay tuned for that. Very sad that I'm missing. <laughs> yeah, it'll actually, you'll you'll hear some familiar voices um, and a lot of new ones. So um, I think that this is the plan for season two. I'm very excited. Uh, and maybe there will be other seasons. Like maybe there will be a season three stay or a season four we- or a season five. <laughs> <laughs> that maybe Doug will be back for. We for that yeah. one. We'll see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much if you've been listening to our show, and I hope you've enjoyed it. And stay tuned for season two. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Every Game in the City is a podcast on the Idle Thumbs Network. We recorded season one in a hot bedroom in Vitaling Jaya during the summer of 2018. Our theme music is a cover of Seiko 4 by Yasuwaki Shimizu, a PC originally composed for a wristwatch commercial in the 1980s. You can find us on the web at everygameinthis.city, as well as most social media networks and podcasting platforms. And that's it for season one. Thank you again for listening to Every Game in the City, and join us for Season 2, which will be released bi-weekly again starting in March 2020. Speaking of which, we'll leave you with this.
Welcome to Every Game in the City, a podcast about eight game makers, curators, and researchers who are meeting up in Shanghai for a week to try and watch every game at the International Dota 2 Championships. I'm Stephanie Bullock. I'm Yang Jing. I'm Alexandra Lee. I'm Li Shanglun. I'm Patrick Lemieux. I'm Philania Liu. I'm Peter Nilsson. And I'm Will Parton. And we'll be back with bi-weekly episodes starting in March 2020.